For the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about the big conundrum that exists between faith and politics. And I'll be honest, the conversations have been difficult. Whether you've been doing this series with a small group or on your own, talking about faith and politics, it's, it's hard. And the reality is that if you're going through this with a small group, the conversations become even more difficult since there's different opinions, different experiences, different perspectives. But if you have made it this far, I want to commend you on your willingness to tackle some very difficult conversations. Well, today, as we continue this series, we're going to talk about what it takes for us to be formed into the kind of people who advocate for the kingdom of God, the kind of people who do this despite the fear that politics or politicians may try to make us experience or fear, and also despite the, the balancing act that we have to live in between faith and politics. And at the end of this sermon cast, my hope is that you will have some tools that will help you go deeper in your faith so that when the time comes, you can be ready to act. You ready to make sense of this? Let's go. So a recurring theme in this series is that as Christians, we are called to understand what the kingdom of God looks like so that we can advocate for a world that better reflects the kingdom of God. In other words, when we begin to understand what the kingdom of God looks like, we begin to notice that there are things in the world around us, whether it be at work, driving through town, or even in our neighborhoods, which the kingdom of God has no room for. These are things like hunger and systemic oppression, high incarceration rates, poverty, crime, war, racism, sexism. The list goes on and on and on, right? These things that just uh, do not fit in the kingdom of God, don't align with the kingdom of God. Now, to be clear, I don't think that you have to be a Christian in order to notice these things and to know that things like racism and hunger and oppression and everything else, that they're bad, right? You don't have to be a Christian to notice or to say that they're bad. Uh, in fact, I actually know many people who would never describe themselves as Christians, who have never stepped foot in a church, who actually advocate for things like this more so than a lot of Christians. So noticing things that are wrong, it, it isn't something that only Christians can do. I do believe, however, that as Christians, we not only know that these things are bad, we oppose them because we know that ultimately God will leave no room for these things to exist, that eventually they will, they, they will be no more. And if that is God's ultimate plan, then we should join God's mission by helping to eliminate all of these things here and now. But how do we do this? How do we become the kind of people who can actually notice things that don't align with the kingdom of God and then do something about it? Well, the answer is both simple and difficult all at the same time. See, in order to become the kind of people who understand and notice that there isn't room for certain things in the kingdom of God, and that therefore there's no room for them here and now, in order to become those kinds of people, we have to practice something called spiritual disciplines. Now, this is just a fancy way of saying that we need to practice things like going to worship, praying, reading scripture, loving and serving others, gathering regularly with other believers, like in small groups, and staying away from anything that pulls us away from God and uh, understanding God's kingdom better. Now, what's beautiful about these spiritual disciplines is that they are physical things that we do, right? So we physically gather with small group people. We physically go to a church building. 
Uh, and we do these things uh, because we hope that they will cause a spiritual change within us, a change that will give us the courage to stand up against anything that God's kingdom opposes. I want you to listen to this quote from, uh, by Caitlin Shess in her book, The Theology of Politics. She says, the spiritual disciplines are not, quote unquote, spiritual because they have no real effect on the material world. They are spiritual because they are means by which the Holy Spirit works in the life of the community of God. Now, I can't tell you how many times I've read through this line because it's so powerful. See, when we intentionally practice our spiritual disciplines, the Holy Spirit begins to move in our lives in such a way that we begin to not only notice that there are things around us that don't align with the kingdom of God, we want to take part in eliminating those things. So when we worship, our understanding deepens, and, and we want to take part in it, right? When we pray, our understanding deepens, and we want to take a part in it. When we gather with other believers or read scripture together, our understanding of God's community or God's kingdom becomes clearer and clearer for us. And the clearer it becomes for us, the easier it becomes to advocate for a type of change that helps our communities better reflect the kingdom of God. Which is why I believe that if we want to help our communities better reflect the kingdom of God, we have to immerse ourselves in these spiritual disciplines. However, there is a catch, a big one. While I do believe wholeheartedly that practicing spiritual disciplines can help us better understand the kingdom of God and how to advocate for it, we have to be careful to not get so focused on practicing these disciplines that we forget to actually do something about it. Let me give you an example of what I mean. While I was attending Garrett Evangelical Theological Seminary, the, the seminary that I went to in Chicago, I had the honor of listening to my friend Ornella preach one of the most powerful and impactful sermons I have ever heard. She began by sharing her experience growing up in Rwanda. She had so many beautiful memories with her family, traveling across her country, and just loving her childhood. But then in 1994, we would have been about five years old, civil war broke out in Rwanda and it changed everything for her. She so vividly described the conflict and the destruction that she saw as tensions got worse and genocide began to take place over her country. Now, one of those memories was uh, of her seeing people with guns break into her home, kill some of her family, and kill some of her family members in front of her. And again, she would have been like a five or six year old. And as she shared her story, like I couldn't even imagine what that must have been like, right? I wanted to put myself in her shoes, but I just couldn't because of how extreme her story was compared to my own experience. And so I must admit that as she was recounting these experiences to us, I, I started to tell myself, you know, Fernie, you really need to pray about this and, and for other situations like this around the world, because no one should ever have to go through something like this. So let me tell you what happened next. With tears in her eyes, Ornella looked at us and said, Church, where were you when my family and friends were getting killed? Where were you when genocide took over my home? Then she said something I will never forget. She said, I'll tell you where you were. You were too busy praying and waiting for God to do something about it. Mm. To tell you that my heart broke in that moment is a complete understatement. Here's someone who came face to face with pure evil, someone who desperately longed for help and she felt like no one interceded because everyone was too busy praying, waiting for God to do something about it rather than actually doing something about it themselves. And I don't know if you caught it or not, but in that moment, right, my response, I was just as guilty. See, if you noticed in my response to her story, what I told myself was that I recognized that something wasn't as it should be, that something didn't line up with the kingdom of God. 
And my first gut reaction was to pray about it, to dive into my spiritual disciplines as I continued to wrestle with what was being shared. But like many other people in that moment, all I could think about was secluding myself and diving into my spiritual disciplines, hoping to feel better after hearing that story. But never did I even think about leaving the room, uh, leaving room for action. See, the problem is that all too often we as Christians fall for this trap of believing that when there is suffering in the world, we need to acknowledge that suffering and then seclude ourselves into our spiritual disciplines, things like prayer, worship, reading scripture, so that we can begin to make sense of it all. And to be fair, that is what we're supposed to do. We are supposed to start there. Uh, but, but when it stops there, when, when that's all we do, when we don't go beyond practicing our spiritual disciplines in the face of tragedy and suffering and so many other things, what we don't realize is that while we are practicing our spiritual disciplines, as good as that may be, people are experiencing harm and death and suffering and hunger and so much more. See, if we want to help our communities better reflect the kingdom of God, then we have to not only practice our spiritual disciplines, we not only have to recognize when things don't align with the kingdom of God, we also have to be willing to take action so that said thing can have less and less power here and now. See, when it comes to, the, to things like the shooting of Alton Sterling, our thoughts and prayers alone aren't enough to help bring about the kingdom of God. We also have to take action and advocate for change. When it comes to things like the shooting at Robb Elementary in Uvalde, Texas, our thoughts and prayers alone aren't enough to help bring about the kingdom of God. We also have to take action and advocate for change. When it comes to things like the hundreds of people in Florida who were affected by Hurricane Ian, our thoughts and prayers alone aren't enough to help bring about the kingdom of God. We also have to take action and advocate for change. When it comes to things like racism and sexism and hunger and so many other things, our thoughts and prayers alone aren't enough to help bring about the kingdom of God. They're helpful, but spiritual disciplines alone are not enough. We also have to take action and advocate for change. Okay, before we go any further, let me clarify something, because I really want to make sure that you hear me say this. I absolutely believe in the power of prayer, and I believe that our thoughts and prayers are absolutely necessary. Prayer is powerful and can change things. It can change circumstances. It can even change lives. For me, prayer is very important, because when we pray, we acknowledge that no matter how bad or difficult life may become, we know that God can overcome. So prayer is absolutely necessary. Please hear me say that. Prayer is absolutely necessary and powerful. But I also believe that praying without action is not enough. See, if I spend my entire life praying for world hunger to end, but never feed a single person in my life, then all I did was acknowledge that God is powerful enough to do something, but I refused to join God in that mission. See, I truly believe that when it comes to bringing about heaven here on earth for all people, Part of our Christian calling is to live a life of active participation. In fact, it's one of our values at Mid-City Church. I wholeheartedly believe that God invites us not just to ask Him to bring about heaven in the places that need it most, but we're also called to actively participate in helping to make this world better reflect the kingdom of God here and now. In her book, The Liturgy of Politics, Caitlin Shess says this, uh, she says, spiritual disciplines, the patterns and practices of believers in the church are aimed at creating disciples in the world, not highly spiritual people who want to escape it. 
In other words, practicing spiritual disciplines is not about creating a pattern in our life where we seclude ourselves from everything in hopes that by the time we're done practicing, uh, practicing them, God has fixed everything. On the contrary, practicing spiritual disciplines, practicing things like prayer and worship and abstinence and so much more are about living into patterns and practices that will transform us into the kind of people who, when the time comes, when things happen that don't align with the kingdom of God, we will be prepared to go out into the world and join God in helping to make our community better reflect heaven here and now. In the Gospel of Matthew, there is a story that speaks to this very conundrum of spiritual disciplines and action. This comes from Matthew chapter 14, verses 13 to 21. When Jesus heard about John the Baptist's death, he withdrew in a boat to a deserted place by himself. When the crowds learned this, they followed him on foot from the cities. When Jesus arrived and saw a large crowd, he had compassion for them and healed those who were sick. That evening, his disciples came and said to him, This is an isolated place and it's getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said to them, There's no, uh, there's no need to send them away. You give them something to eat. And they replied, We have nothing except five loaves of bread and two fish. So Jesus said, Bring them here to me. He ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. He took the five loaves of bread and the two fish, looked up to heaven, blessed them, and broke the loaves apart and gave them to his disciples. Then the disciples gave them to the crowds. Everyone ate until they were full, and they filled 12 baskets with the leftovers. About 5,000 men plus women and children had eaten that day. Now, every time I read this story, I, I, I'm fascinated by it because there's so much happening here. For starters, the story begins much like our lives go. The disciples notice that it's getting late, that uh, they are in an isolated place, and that if the crowds aren't dismissed soon, they might go to bed without eating because uh, everything is too far away. Now, I commend the disciples for this. They could have very easily not cared or not have said anything, but instead they were aware enough to realize that something was about to happen that would not reflect the kingdom of God. In other words, they recognized that if they didn't do something soon, people would be hungry and there is no room for hunger in the kingdom of God, right? So, so far, this is great. Then they did what most of us, if not all of us, would do. The second thing they do is that they went to Jesus and asked him to do something about it. Now, for us, when something happens or is happening that doesn't reflect the kingdom of God, we also tend to go to Jesus, right? And we do this through our spiritual disciplines, things like prayer and worship and scripture and all the things we've talked about so far. So, um, look, I know that technically uh, in this scripture, the disciples, it doesn't say that they practice spiritual disciplines. It doesn't say that they prayed or it doesn't say that they did any of that stuff. Uh, but we are told that they went and talked to him. And that's because Jesus was physically present with them right then and there. So, I mean, just imagine, right, the disciples looking around, realizing that the people were about to get hungry because everything was going to be closed and too far away. And their response with Jesus literally standing next to them was, closing their eyes and saying, dear Jesus, please feed these people soon, right? I feel like Jesus would have looked at them and been like, what are you doing? I'm right here. Just talk to me, right? So while it doesn't say they, they practice spiritual disciplines, the, the whole concept of disciplines happened there because they, they approached Jesus. And that's what the spiritual disciplines help us do, that, to approach Jesus and to be able to uh, talk to Jesus and hear from Jesus. Uh, so like I said, I, I know that they don't literally practice the disciplines, uh, after they see that something that doesn't align with the kingdom of God, but they do go directly to Jesus and tell him about it, which is what our spiritual disciplines do. They help us draw nearer to God by placing ourselves in a position 
where we can hear God's voice and be inspired and transformed by it. Now, let me say this again. When we see something that doesn't align with the kingdom of God, one of the things we have to do is to draw near and closer to God, to draw near and closer to Jesus, knowing that doing so, we will gain some clarity as to how to take action and respond. And that's exactly what happens in this story. Once they go to Jesus and they tell him about the situation, Jesus gives an amazing response. He says, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. And then when the the disciples said they only had five loaves and two fish, Jesus said, well, give me that and, and we'll go from there. See, in drawing near to Jesus, they not only acknowledged that something didn't align with the kingdom of God, they also gained clarity as to how to respond. In drawing closer to Jesus, they realized that they had something to offer. And it's because of their action, their response, that Jesus then feeds the entire crowd. I think the same is true for you and I. When we look around this world, there's a lot of pain and suffering out there. There's a lot of injustice and oppression. There's a lot of hunger, homelessness, suffering. There's a lot of crime. There's a lot of insecurity. There's so much that does not reflect the kingdom of God. And in situations like this, we have to draw near to Jesus by practicing our spiritual disciplines, knowing and trusting that when we do, we will be inspired and challenged to join Jesus in helping to bring about the kingdom of God here on earth as it is in heaven, here and now for all people. This means that when a mass shooting happens, yes, we have to practice our spiritual disciplines. We have to draw closer to Jesus. We have to pray. But we also have to draw closer to Jesus, uh, willing to um, become the kind of people who will actively help do something about it. When a natural disaster happens, yes, we have to practice our spiritual disciplines. We have to draw closer to Jesus. But we have to draw closer to Jesus, asking him to help us become the kind of people who will actively do something about the situation. When death strikes in our community, when war happens around the world, when hunger abounds, when things like anxiety and depression seem to be winning, yes, we have to practice our spiritual disciplines. We have to draw closer to Jesus. But eventually, as a result of practicing these disciplines, we have to become the kind of people who will actively help do something about this mess that we are in. Because here's the good news. In the midst of everything happening around the world that doesn't align with the kingdom of God, some of it caused by politics, some of it caused by politicians, some of it just caused by people, God is, is doing something about it all. God is actively doing something about the mess that we see when we look around this world. See, just like Jesus tells the disciples to participate in the solution, God is calling you and I to also participate in this story, in this solution. And my prayer is that every time we turn to our spiritual disciplines, we will go with open hearts, willing to say yes to however God nudges us to respond. That through our spiritual disciplines, we will become the kind of people who, to quote my friend Ornella, aren't so busy praying that we fail to act when it's needed most. Because doing so will truly help to bring about heaven here and now. Now look, next week, we're going to talk about what heaven looks like. But for now, may we draw closer to Jesus, being willing to uh, become the kind of people who advocates, who, who uh, fights for this world to better reflect the kingdom of God here and now. May it be so. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Mid-City Church Sermon Cast. If you'd like to dive deeper, 
visit midcity.church/sermoncast to find a home sheet that goes along with this message. On the home sheet, you'll find scriptures, questions to wrestle with, and a challenge that goes along with this sermoncast. I want to invite you to support our ministry here at Mid-City Church by giving today. To give, text the word GIVE, G-I-V-E, to the phone number 225-307-0662. Thanks and see you next week.